0: Following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. You can have a seat. I will never forget the first time I received the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday. I was uh, in the middle of my doctoral program at Wheaton College and was learning more and more about the history of the church and uh, was drawn to this practice that, that precedes the Protestant Reformation by about 12 centuries. This is something that is a part of our common Christian heritage. And as I was learning more and more about the history of the church, I was intrigued by this um, practice of the imposition of ashes. And, and so I went to a church of a friend in Wheaton. And this was one of those churches that was very different than the churches that I was accustomed to. This was a church that, uh, well, it was a high liturgical church. They had all the smells and bells. You know what I mean? Um, one of my friends is actually an Episcopal priest, and he has this red, they call it a cope. It's a cape. It's this red cape. I'm kind of like, I would kind of like a red cape every once in a while. I don't know. Anyway. I was there that first night, and I walked in, and, and, and the whole room was just a little different. There was a, a gravity to the whole service. We prayed some, some written prayers that were not familiar to me, and yet put words on my mouth that, that I needed to say that I might not have ever come up with on my own. And then I walked forward, and I stood before that minister. I watched as his thumb went into the ashes. And then he raised it to my forehead. I felt the the moisture and the grit of the ash as he made the sign of the cross and looked me in the eye and said, remember that you are dust. And to dust you will return. Now, at IBC, our practice since we started Ash Wednesday about 15 years ago is actually to use the words of the Apostle Paul in the imposition of ashes from Romans 6.23, that that we talk about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's that's our practice here at IBC, but the, the traditional verbiage that the church uses is remember that you are dust. And to dust you will return. There was a time when I was first here at IBC, we began to practice this together as a church, and I had the incredible opportunity to be a part of the team that was doing the imposition of the ashes. And so I was going through our way of doing it, Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then as one person left and another person came forward, a woman. I don't know what happened, but in my mind, I reverted back to the language of the tradition. So I looked her in the eye and said, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. And her eyes got really big, because she heard what I said to the person in front of her. <laughs> and she actually came back to me after the service and was like, hey, what what, what happened there? If, if you're here tonight, by the way, if that story is about you, once again, please forgive me. Um, but there's very something very poignant about those words of the tradition. Remember that you are dust. The poignant, provocative imagery of dust. I think dust as an image signifies a few things for us. Remember that you are dust. Dust signifies mortality, In fact, there is a tradition in the church, a practice in the church that is called in Latin, memento mori. You'll sometimes see this depicted in medieval artwork. If you see a a painting of of a theologian or a saint, and oftentimes somewhere in the painting, you'll see a skull. You know what I'm talking about? You'll see a skull somewhere in the painting. That is depicting this practice of memento mori, that they would have a skull that they would have near them as a reminder. Memento mori is basically translated, remember that you must die. Remember that you must die. Remember your mortality. And it's really interesting, this practice of memento mori, it's this counterintuitive logic that says the best lives are lived by those who remember they're going to die. They say, I am limited. Time is limited. I need help. I need hope. I need Jesus. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we are made. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and it has no place uh, to remember. And It's gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. He knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. My problem is that sometimes, oftentimes, I forget. I remember the words of a song we used to sing in the church growing up. That, uh, well, it wasn't exactly meant to boost your confidence and ego, but it tells you the truth. The lyric says, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray and find in me thine all in all. And there's something that sort of rises up in me that says, Who you calling child of weakness? And yet, the reality is, it's me. Child of weakness. He remembers that we dust. Dust symbolizes the reality of mortality, the the reality of frailty. Second, dust symbolizes a posture of repentance. Throughout the Bible, you see people, when they're engaged in repentance before God, that that they will use dust, sackcloth, and ashes as symbols, ways of, of practicing repentance that's not just sort of in your mind or in your heart, but with your body, A practice of repentance. Now, some of us have a sort of twisted understanding of this concept of repentance, and we sort of get it in our minds as though if we're really, really sorry, then God will forgive us. And that's not what repentance is about at all. Paul says, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. The Greek word for repentance, metanoia, is a change of mind to think differently about the reality of my sin. But it's connected back to a Hebrew concept from the word shuv, which means to turn, to to turn from the direction that you've been going and from what you've been trusting in and to turn and return to God, to following after him, his ways, his plan, his path, to turn to him. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance theologically. Theologian Gustavo Gutierrez has said, God's love is always a cause and never an effect. Think about that for a second. God's love is always a cause and never an effect. What that means is that we don't repent so that God will love us. We repent because we've come to truly believe that he already does. And therefore, we can face ourselves and we can face the reality of our sin before Him. His kindness leads us to repentance. Repentance is not about get your life straight, you miserable sinner. It's about, beloved child of God, bring your heart and your life into alignment with the reality of who you are. I often think that as a loving father, God looks Our lives and says, "I want so much more for you." Lent isn't about feeling shame. Lent is about entering into this so much more. Tonight is not about feeling shame. It's about being set free from it, and we are set set free through the gracious invitation to repentance. Dust symbolizes the reality of mortality. Dust symbolizes the posture of repentance. And finally, and somewhat counterintuitively, dust symbolizes the gift of life. Now, that, that may seem strange on the surface. How is it that dust symbolizes life? But you think about our, our origin story in the Bible told by the Genesis storyteller. The way that the human origin story is told there in Genesis chapter 2 is that God reaches down into the dust of the earth. It's this beautiful image of, of God getting dirt under his fingernails as he digs down into the dirt and he forms and he fashions the first human. And he takes that lump of dirt and in an intimate act of animation breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and dust comes alive. The dust of the earth and the breath of God. Remember that you are dust and oh what God can do. Dust. I'm reading through this Lenten season a, uh, a book called The Word in the Wilderness. It's a a prayer, I'm sorry, a poem a day from the poet um, Malcolm Gooty. And uh, he has reflections then on each of his poems. and, And this is what he says in the poem for today on Ash Wednesday. He says, the ash that is left after purging fires is itself a fertilizer, a life enabler, a source of new growth. We place these Unpromising leavings on the garden and new things bloom. The cross of ash becomes a deeper symbol still. For what is destroyed in that emblem of all our destructiveness is sin itself. In a daring and beautiful creative reversal, God takes the worst that we can do to him and turns it into the best that he can do for us. Remember that you are dust, but oh, look at what God can do with dust. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Dust symbolizes the reality of our mortality. It symbolizes the posture of repentance, and it symbolizes the gift of life. And so we have the opportunity to come forward in a moment for the imposition of ashes. But before we do, I want to just lead us through a moment of reflection and prayer. And I want to, um, to pray, to lead you in prayer, using the words of the Book of Common Prayer. It's a prayer that there will be thousands of Christians literally around the world praying these same words today. I want to use them as an opportunity for reflection, for you to listen, and to listen for those places that maybe God would tug at your heart of some area that you need to bring before him tonight. And so I'll read it slowly. You can close your eyes and bow your heads if you would do that now. Sometimes written prayers give us words that our hearts need to say that we'd never come up with on our own. And then after I finish this prayer, I'll give you a moment of silent reflection an opportunity to confess before the Lord, and then I'll lead us through response. Most holy and merciful Father, We confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault and thought and word and deed. By what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved with our whole heart and mind and strength and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. We have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. We confess to you, Lord, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience in our lives, our self-indulgent appetites and ways, and our exploitation of other people, our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves, our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work, our negligence in prayer and worship, and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs that we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty, for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, for our waste and pollution of your creation, and our lack of concern for those who come after us. Restore us, good Lord. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. I give you now just a moment of silent contemplation, reflection, confession before the And Father, on this evening, we are so grateful that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance, that we can face ourselves before you knowing that you love us, that you lavish your grace upon us through Jesus. Because we know the truth of your word that says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Thanks be to God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you might move in our midst in these moments of response. We offer ourselves to you now to have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.